This episode originally aired on February 4th, 2022 on the Unethical Patreon. Our guest today was Abigail, calling us from prison. Who is a worldwide thing, but it's controlled mostly by China. Oh. That's why nobody listens to the Who. Roger Daltrey is secretly Chinese. (laughs) Should we just throw it out there? 1-855-PRIVATE-DICKS? Yeah. This is a prepaid call from... An inmate at the county correctional facility. All phone calls are subject to recording and monitoring. Thank you. Your call has been accepted. Hey, Dix. As you can tell by the call from prison, I made it to jail. My trial isn't for a couple more months yet, so I'm going to get the best lawyer's money can buy. I still can't believe you assholes narked me off after all I did for you. I used to be fond of Dix, but now I'm just a pissed off Abigail. You better hope you're out of that shithole of an office before I get out of here, because I'm going to make you disappear just like Jimmy Hoffa. In a metaphorical sense, of course. That's for the warden. I don't need him thinking I'm going to kill anybody, because I'm not. Nor would I ever. Anyways, I'm a fun person, so let's do something fun. If you can figure out where Jimmy Hoffa went all those years ago, I promise not to pay your family a visit when I get out. Instead, I'll just come and visit you. That'll be fun, won't it? Lots of love, Abigail. An elite team of private detectives. What if balloons are aliens? Maybe that's the key component we're missing. Cover-ups. John's guilty. Mysteries that need to be solved. Maybe Mormons need mountains. Richard, shut up. Abigail wants us to solve Jimmy Hoffa, huh? The disappearance of Jimmy Hoffa. Okay, we can do that. I've already got it pretty much narrowed down. I just need you guys to help me sort this beast out. What do you guys think? I'm down. Let's do it. Do you know uh, much about Jimmy Hoffa? Is that like something they teach in school in the America? I'm half Italian. So just by proxy, uh, it's all anybody in that side of the family talks about whenever it comes up. No idea what this. I don't I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know. We're solving so let's just go let's talk about jimmy okay james riddle hoffa was born on valentine's day in 1913 in a little town called brazil in indiana orville redenbacher who is described as a popcorn tycoon on wikipedia was also born in brazil seven i love how wikipedia calls him a popcorn tycoon that that's incredible. It makes me happy. I guess he is a popcorn tycoon. Like I, I'm not disputing the fact that he's a popcorn tycoon. It's just I would never describe Orville Redenbacher as a popcorn tycoon. Brazil, Indiana has never had over 10,000 people in its 150-year history. Its population was at its peak at the time Hoffa was born. But nowadays, the population has dwindled to a mere 7,500. Jimmy's father, John, was a coal miner and died from lung disease when Jimmy was only seven years old. Coal mining, man. That shit's fucking not good for you. A very casual way of putting it. <laughs> Especially back then, they must have fucking all died young. Viola Riddle Hoffa. So he got his middle name was his mom's maiden name, which I find uh, interesting. I've never seen that before where the kid takes the mom's middle name. Anyways, uh, Viola Riddle Hoffa was left a widow and four with cho- four children to feed. Two boys and two girls. Now, I saw another article where Jimmy only had one sister. In fact... The sister or sisters weren't even mentioned by name. I can't even tell you if they're older, if they were younger. Gotta love the patriarchy because I heard a lot about his brother. Shit. 
Maybe that's the disappearances we should be investigating. Yeah, this, the Hoffa sisters <laughs> or sister. I don't even know. Maybe they're conjoined. So technically it's <laughs> one and two. <laughs> yeah, back then conjoined people were considered one person. So Exactly. Well, what makes the person just a head or your entire body? Like if you only have a head. Oh, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> just like two bodies coming off of one head. Yeah, exactly. Would that be one person still? No, I think that's two people. Depends on what, what counts, the mind or the heart. Exactly. Oh, matters of the heart and matters of the mind. Anyways, regardless, he might have had two sisters. I'm not fucking sure. Uh, without a husband, Viola was forced to go to work cleaning and ironing laundry. In fact, she did laundry out of her house. Jimmy and his older brother, Bill, would haul it to her in a wagon at like seven years old. Even when the young boys did help, she still struggled to pay the bills. When Jimmy was about 10, the family moves about 20 miles away to Clinton, Indiana on the Wabash River. Now, Clinton is basically the same small town as Brazil. It's just along a river. So it, like in Brazil, they earn money just doing odd jobs the best way they knew how. The kids worked when they weren't in school because they were still in school. Um, the boys would chop wood. Uh, since they were on the river, there was more opportunity for the kids to make money for the house. The boys would catch fish and to eat and to sell. And they would even catch mussels and sell the shells to button makers for six dollars a ton isn't that fucking it's a hundred years ago and we're selling shells to button makers that's the most old-timey shit i've ever heard that sounds like <laughs> something that grandpa simpson would rattle off or something uh, a year later the hoffa widow and her three or four kids moved to detroit and this is where jimmy and his siblings would grow up mrs hoffa got a job polishing radiator caps in the fisher body plant and no, that isn't her being behind a glory hole for a guy named Fisher. Thank you for clarifying. You're welcome. <laughs> Even though Viola had a better and more stable job, Jimmy and his brother continued to need to work odd jobs after school. By 1927, at the age of 14, Jimmy quits school and goes to work full time. He was actually a very smart kid and he had an easy time getting jobs because he was working at such a young age. He was like a strong little guy who'd get lots of labor jobs. When he was 18, he secured his first full-time employment. And this is in 1931. Now, what do you guys know about 1931 America? Um, Great depression. Wealth. Go out of the streets lined with gold. Um, <laughs> prosperity. Yeah, no. The streets were lined with blood and bread. Fuck yes. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. It was the Great Depression. Fucking shitty time in America. Uh, unemployment in the U.S. was at 23%. That's high. <laughs> and the Detroit auto industry had a seemingly infinite amount of workers to pick from. So there was no motivation by companies to keep workers happy. Because if an employee complained about any way, uh, in any way, shape, or form, they're just fired and they'd get another person. That's why it was kind of impressive for Jimmy to get a job at 18 a full-time job because there's so many people if you think about it we're like in the exact opposite situation right now which is kind of crazy what do you mean it's like people can do whatever the fuck they want because they they won't get fired yeah oh i see what you mean yes for sure we we've pushed like jimmy hoffa i shouldn't say started this kind of stuff but he definitely pushed it to like where it is today you know well i think COVID had something to do with it but yeah well no you if you're oh my in a God. Union now sorry jimmy go. hoffa is COVID. <laughs> Damn, Found Rick, that was the fastest over. one yet. Yeah, case <laughs> over. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is if you're in a union now, which we're going to talk about a lot of union shit today, like you could get away with fucking murder. I know guys that are in unions, they do nothing. They purposely do nothing. Oh, I thought, yeah. I, yeah, they, to, I thought you were about to admit to knowing some murders. 
Well, uh, <laughs> they do. It's called the the police officers union. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's they what I'm literally saying. Oh. get away with murder. Yeah. <laughs> so there were lots of laws uh, enacted by President Roosevelt that further protected unions in this time. But even if you said the word union during those times, they'd fire you. So it doesn't even matter if there's laws or not. Just don't even form or you're fucked. Jimmy got a job. His full-time, first full-time job was at Kroger Grocery Store. He was in the warehouse unloading boxcars for 32 cents an hour. When I say 32 cents an hour, I mean, that's, that's like hours worked. Not while waiting for boxcars to show up. Not while there was nothing to unload that day. Uh, just when you were physically moving stuff. Otherwise, the Kroger Fat Cats weren't paying you shit. That's crazy. And because it's such a low amount, they were literally nickeling and diming him. Oh, yeah. That's where nickeling and diming (laughs) comes from. That's the old timey days. Fucking crazy. They would actually be at the docks, like the train docks, for like over 15 hours a day and sometimes get paid very little. 31 cents an hour today is equivalent to $5.67. Yeah, which is minimum wage in your country, right? <laughs> uh, it depends on the state. A lot oh, higher okay. in most places, but yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it was still. I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't want to speak for the 1930s. I mean, I guess it's pretty good for the Great Depression. <laughs> Fuck if I know. Oh yeah, I would imagine having any job would be amazing. That's why they could get away with this shit because everyone was so desperate, right? So in 1932, while still a teenager, Jimmy organizes a strike in defiance of the abuse of bosses. Hoffa's first organization of workers is infamously named the Strawberry Strike. Jimmy knew when the expensive cargo would show up and what stuff was very expensive. When a full shipment of strawberries and cantaloupes come in, that's when Jimmy sets up a strike. We're not moving this shit out of the boxcar. This fresh and expensive produce wasn't unloaded promptly. It would spoil and cost the Kroger's hundreds of dollars. So Jimmy and six workers negotiated with the managers the quickie strike work Kroger's quickly met the demands of the warehousemen. It was cheaper to deal with them than taking a huge loss, loss on fresh fruit. It took Jimmy and his boys less than an hour to get a better deal. They got a small raise and they also got insurance. And now I don't, I was trying to figure out what kind of 1931 insurance you get. Like, I guess life insurance, like there's not really much, but they got insurance anyway. Now that's why they call it the strawberry strike. Hmm. They, they didn't pick up strawberries and no joke. The six-man committee were then known as the Strawberry Boys. Get the fuck out of here. I'm not kidding. That. Imagine trying to be tough. We took down Kroger's. Whatever, Strawberry Boys. We're just like self-identifying that way. That is the saddest shit I've ever heard. <laughs> just for, not, that. not like the, you know, the, the, the Corpo Busters or anything fucking cool or like. <laughs> Is the fruity boys <laughs> a cantaloupe kings would have been even better fruit fellas yeah the fruit fellas uh, fruit fellas the fruit fellas doesn't work as well actually but jimmy loved this he loved the feeling of victory like taking on the big guy being the small guy and the local 299 teamsters union saw a lot of potential in hoffa as an organizer so basically like the local 299 it's like a regional part of a larger bigger union right and this is called the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, or IBT. Now, in those days, a Teamster was a worker who moved product from point A to point B, like truck drivers, warehouse workers, cabbies, anything like that would be what a Teamster was. The actual word Teamster originates from the 1800s, and it's someone who drove a team of draft animals. 
like the work animals, like not the eating ones, like oxen or horses or mules or horses. Can you wait? Can you think of some more real quick? Horses, oxen. I think mules. I think you, I think you might have forgotten horses. What about donkeys? Did I say donkeys yet? You may have covered donkeys, but all right. Horses. I can't though. believe you left out horse. Oh, there you go. You got it. Most of these times they're pulling a wagon too. These uh, teamsters. Nowadays, teamster union represents all sorts of different fields, from public defenders to zookeepers, all across Canada and the U.S. Uh, of a, I wrote U.S. of a at the next line. Uh, Goddamn right, you uh, did. I, <laughs> don't forget the of motherfucker. <laughs> After the strawberry strike, the Kroger workers were adopted into the union. Hoffa and his strawberry boys left Kroger's and were recruited by the local 299 branch as strike organizers. Hoffa immediately turned around the local 299. Hoffa and the other leaders turned the 40-member union into, with $400 in the bank to a 5,000-member union with 50,000 1930s money in the bank. And as he kept going, the union just kept getting bigger and bigger. This is because Hoffa was lived a little bit outside the law. I don't know if you guys knew this about Jimmy Hoffa. Uh, he was like a by any means necessary kind of guy. They would unify different local unions, helping grow the IBT to about 75,000 members in 1933. So it went from 431, 32 to like 75,000. And yeah, it's, it's did a good job getting everyone unified. The more unions unified, the more workers Hoffa had to send to other jobs with picket lines. And Hoffa would actually join in on lots of picket lines in those days. He actually has a story where he's, it's like a Hoffa tale where he says he was arrested 18 times in one day. You'd get arrested, get bail, go back out and get arrested again. He bragged about fighting many strike busters that companies would hire. When Jimmy was coming up, like in the early Detroit, there's no unions in Detroit. It was like a non-union town. Nothing was organized. And Hoffa was very organized. He found strikers. Uh, he found the strikers anything they needed to keep the line until the companies would give in demands. He would find money somehow. He would find food for them to stay there, stuff like that. And it was on one of these many picket lines. He met his future wife, Josephine Pozewak. P-O-S-Z-Y-W-A-K. Pozewak. I'm not Polish. Josephine was actually striking against her employers at the time. She was a laundry worker. They're married by 1936. And by 1938, they already had their first child, a daughter named Barbara. Jimmy said it was said to have danced once in an entire lifetime. And that was at Barbara's wedding. He's trying to live down that strawberry boy name. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't dance. <laughs> strawberry boys don't dance. <laughs> Only manly shit from here on out. Yeah. <laughs> Why couldn't it be a meat? Do you want to be the meat packing boys? No, yeah. you'd rather the strawberry boys. Yeah, we, we go by the uh, the meat sucking guys because we uh, <laughs> we suck the money out of the corporate. You get it. In 1939, Jimmy takes uh, on his ex-girlfriend, Sylvia Pagano, and their son, Charles O'Brien, who was six at the time. Frank O'Brien, Sylvia's husband, and Charles's father worked as a chauffeur for a mob boss in Kansas City. And when Sylvia's husband abandoned her and Charles, they moved to, from Kansas to Detroit to get a job at the union as a receptionist. Charles 
or Chucky, as he was affectionately called. And Jimmy Jr. were like brothers growing up. Now, Jimmy Jr. hasn't been born yet, but he's coming. Jimmy was considered Chucky's adoptive father. Sylvia started dating gangster Frankie Three Fingers Coppola, who is also Charles's godfather. Yes, there's lots of gangstery names in this. You're going to like it. Frankie Three Fingers. I, I, I don't question why. Uh, what do you guys think? Why do you think he's called Frankie Three Fingers? This is a great, this is a good well, game. <laughs> no, knowing dumbass Italians, I, I bet it's just because he had three fingers. I'm going to go with that's what I think it is too, but. What's that? That's, uh, that's, that's Jimmy Two Feet. <laughs> yeah. Mikey one nose. Frankie introduced Hoffa to Anthony, Tony Jack, Jackaloni. I love that last name, who was a capo in the Detroit Mafia. By 1939, the union had 420,000 members. The Teamsters Union was becoming one of the most powerful in the whole United States. All the Teamsters unions were slowly starting to merge. As the unions started to get bigger and bigger, their ties with organized crime became bigger and bigger as well. In the 30s, businesses were hiring mafia guys to bash strikers to force them back to work or simply go in and work instead of the picketers. Most strike breakers were either unemployed or mafia guys. And to get through these lines, you had to be tough because they were fighting with all they had. With Hoffa taking in Sylvia and starting to form a relationship with Three Fingers, Coppola, and Tony Jack, the relationship between the mafia and the union started to lie itself. It became a mutually beneficial relationship. If a company didn't meet the demands of the striking workers, they wouldn't just lose out on workers. The company would get retaliation by the mob. The union gave them a cover when they were trying to get the protection money from the businesses involved. Nothing to see here, coppers. Just some union men on some union business. And if the businesses refused to pay the mobsters, Hoffa would order strikes. In, by 1940, Hoffa made, was made the negotiating chairman of the Central States Drivers Council. It was another Teamsters union within the IBT. He was 27 years old. This is his first big grab at power within the IBT. The, lead, the current leader of the IBT, Daniel Tobin, had been in power for 30 years at this point, and he had grown ineffective in his leadership. And anyone with enough ambition who was looking to snag control could. In his new role... Hoffa negotiated contracts for truck drivers across 12 states, and they also raided rival unions with the mafia muscle, raiding, mo- raiding unions. So they're just like going in there and like telling them, join our union or you're fucked or we'll beat the shit out of you, really. Jimmy was never a trucker himself, but he could negotiate a mean contract and negotiated contract in this sense means organized strikes and fought in the streets until companies met his demands. Some strikes would go- get so violent that the National Guard had to come break up the fighting. Other strikes were avoided as Hoffa would do anything to get a deal signed. Like I said, he would give them payoffs, future favors, Guido here, not busting your skull, stuff like that. Other re- regional union leaders were also grabbing for power in other parts of the country. Don't get me wrong. Uh, unions and mafia have been linked many for many, many years, but Hoffa just brought it to a new level. The far West unions leader, David Beck, was also capitalizing on the weakness of his superiors and also taking more and more power. These two guys were helping each other out wherever they could as well, developing like a working relationship. Now, side note, Jimmy, little Jimmy Jr. is born at this time, May 1941. Jimmy's second second born, only boy and namesake. Uh, Best friends with Chucky, even though Chucky's much older. Uh, Jimmy Jr. actually followed in his father's footsteps and joined the Teamsters Union, becoming the president in 1999. In 1946, 
Hoffa Sr. becomes the president of the local 299 union at 33 years old. At such a young age, he was he must have been very good at his fucking job, really. I'm not even close to as accomplished as that at 38 years old. So Jimmy, they say a lot of people love Jimmy because you know he was like uh knew how to talk to the worker. He was a, a worker himself, so he went down to like a factory or whatever and would like reassure these guys everything would be okay if as long as they helped, you know. Uh he also lived very simply during through his uh early on in his career. He bought a modest house in the Detroit suburbs and he never really upgraded. Never. He just always stayed in that one little house. Uh, he didn't smoke. He didn't drink. He didn't sleep around on his beloved wife. He even said he didn't swear at home, which I find hilarious. I don't swear at home. <laughs> I don't want to sully my wife's pretty ears with the fuck words. The fuck words. Imagine their dirty talk. He's just like <laughs> in, in her ear. He's like, I'm going to do the heck out of you. <laughs> He's also said to love love to drive really fast, and he loved to steak medium well. He was a man's man, and his word was his bond. His honesty was legendary, something people talk about all the time. If you were negotiating with Jimmy Hoffa, you knew what he was saying was true. Jimmy avoids World War II because of his union activities being too important on the mainland. Uh, keeping things running smoothly was imperative to the American government. Without the union's head there, all freight would surely fail. Anyways, coward, I think. <laughs> <laughs> the union continues to grow steadily, even during World War II. And by 1951, there's over a million members of the union. At the IBT convention in 1952, Hoffa's far west contemporary, Dave Beck, was elected president of the IBT, replacing the 45-year veteran Daniel Tobin. Beck then appoints Jimmy as his vice president as repayment for securing Beck's appointment as president by securing some very much needed votes from Tobin supporters. There was a lot of controversy uh, to Beck becoming president of the IBT. He was considered corrupt as fuck. By this time, the mafia was all up in the union business and neither Beck nor Hoffa were afraid to use them. They were giving them high ranking spots all over the place. Uh, presidents of local chapters, all sorts of shit like that. Uh, and the more the mafia became entrenched in union business, the more the government started to keep an eye on the union's activities. Beck did accomplish a lot while president. He, he negotiated the first national grievance on arbitration plan. Uh, Hoffa accomplished quite a bit as VP as well during this time. In 1955, Hoffa created the Teamsters Pension Fund. This was a good idea in theory. The pension fund would give Teamsters more security in their later years, being able to offer them a retirement package of sorts. In the first few years of the fund, it raked in over $200 million, uh, over $2 billion in today's money. Hoffa had direct access to the money and would dip into it anytime he wanted. The mob, through Hoffa, would use it as their own personal bank account. Hoffa would give interest-free loans to buy up real estate. Hoffa even invested in casinos in Havana. Through the 50s and 60s, Hoffa was openly associated with Mo Dalitz, a figure in the Detroit Purple Gang, which I found funny. What the fuck's a Purple Gang? They're rivals with the Strawberry Boys. <laughs> I was doing math over here. It was, it was sure. funny, but I was doing math. I think it's closer yeah, to 3.6 Sorry, the 2 billion, billion wasn't enough. 
3.6. So it's a lot of money. It's a lot. So you're right. Him, his, his, his pupils are literally dollar signs. Of course, he's got to get it accurate. <laughs> the Teamsters Pension Fund loaned millions of dollars to various Las Vegas hotels. Much of the hotel's profits went to the casinos owned by Dallas. There were so many examples of this over the next 20 years. Like, I couldn't even list how many fucking shady deals were done through that pension fund. A journalist named Victor Rysel was catching on to the labor union's crime. 1956 aired a piece on the radio exposing the corruption. A few hours after the program aired, as Rysel was leaving a restaurant, a man threw hydrochloric acid in his face, effectively blinding him for the rest of his life. Oh my God. That is like nightmare fuel. Just because he went on and said, you know what, the uh, mob leader or not, the mob's really actually controlling the union. I don't know what you got. And he got a couple. What a bitch move. That is such a. Uh, what was the benefit to what was what was the benefit of a union to a mob? I told you already, but you're fucking doing research. So I'll tell you again. Oh, sorry. Um, I, I hate when people do their fucking job. They the mob like the union because the union would give them a cover for when they went in to go like shake these places down and the cops were there like this is just union business and if they didn't pay them hoffa would just call strikes for them so if they wouldn't pay like the protection money they wouldn't get a fucking day's worth of work or two days worth of work or three days worth of work instead of having to go like shoot acid in people's faces this is how they would do it non-violent protests through hoffa so it's mutually beneficial both ways really the police definitely killed him i can't get over that acid thing that yeah to, i mean one that's horrible and two i'm just so surprised it wasn't just like really hot tomato sauce <laughs> you know i'll get more into the acid thing a little bit later but yeah no it was fucking hydrochloric man but yeah i just want you to guys to understand how entrenched they were like they love this money there was a shit ton of money that was the other thing they liked the union for they had the pension fund right they could just borrow money yeah. borrow money anytime they wanted to and nobody was watching them because it was a new thing created and they clearly um, had hydrochloric acid in the budget. So yes, yeah. the same year, 1956, the same year as the acid attack, Beck was actually perceived as weak by Jimmy. Jimmy would look at the guy and go like, you know what? You're not doing a good job. And he would attack him on so many different issues and decisions and policies and stuff that Beck would do. Hoffa basically had his eye on the crown. He's like, you know what? I'm this far. I'm fucking going to be the president. Now to get the crown, Hoffa had to meet a gangster named Johnny Dio in New York City. Johnny Dio was a convicted labor extortionist. And at the time of the meetup with Hoffa, he was under investigation for setting up the acid throwing in Riesel's face. So I wonder if Hoffa was involved in melting this guy's face too. Who knows? The guy who actually threw the acid had already ended up dead. Oh, God. Yeah, he was already hit by the mob, and Dio was considered the guy who killed the guy. So there'd be no witnesses. You know what I mean? Like, so they're already looking into him for that. So what Dio and Hoffa were discussing were they're conspiring to create 15 new paper unions so they could join the IBT, giving their chapters votes in the upcoming 1957 election. Now, when I say paper union, I just mean like a fake union that only exists on paper. Um, so when they file for status in the international union, they get a vote. This practice still happens to this day in big unions where they'll like have fake chapters and people like it's just very rare, but it is a big problem with the bigger unions that they can't. It has lots of bureaucracy behind it. Wait, wait. So like all unions are connected and there's like voting. If you join up with the bigger unions, yes. So you get to keep your chapter 
And if you have like an international crew, you can the international can be like, hey, if you pay us dues, we'll protect you on an international level, not just within your own region. That's just like Scientology without believing in anything. Well, no, they would send strikers. So if you only had 50 people that worked at your thing and you had a gigantic factory, they would send a thousand people over to go strike with you. So you'd be all on strike at the same time. It would be like, and then this big pension fund would pay for everyone's expense when they're off work for the whole time. That just makes no fucking sense to me. If I employ 50 people and I see a thousand people striking, I'm not more concerned than I was if all of my 50 employees walked out. Cause I'm just like, who the fuck are these people? Because they would back in the day, they would get guys to go in like scabs to go work your job. If you cannot get through to go work your job, then you are losing hand over fist money every single so the point is to block workers from coming in. That's the whole point of a picket line. So if you nowadays, most places have pinch points, like a little fucking gate to get into, and you just pick at that gate and you can't really get in. But back in the day, you could just go around the back. He would surround these fucking places with arm in arm with people. Cops would come and try and break them up. They'd beat the shit out of cops. Like they, unions are scary fucking things. It still happens today. Um, no, no details, but one of the, um, sections of drivers at my work are teamsters and uh and they're uh the whole facility that we do business with is is a union facility from teamsters driving all the way to like the actual like uh workers in like the warehouse and the factory and uh any anytime uh they've, they've gone on strike sometimes some of our other drivers will have to go over there and dudes will literally like pile in front of the truck and like try to like act like the truck hit them or shit like that oh yeah like it gets intense maybe i'm just a lazy piece of shit but if i were were on strike i feel like i would just stay home yeah you wouldn't be on strike then that's not what being on strike is what do you mean that's not a strike isn't the whole point of a strike like you no longer have workers and yeah but that's not how it works especially 1930s they'll just put new guys there so you stop them from putting new guys you get them to fix the problem that you want them to fix and then you can go back to your job I like to think that in the 1930s, I would have been more motivated, but probably not. It's sort of like to scare people off, more or less. Listen, uh, if, if like, Jimmy Hoff is hiring a thousand people to come in, why the fuck do I need to be there? You know, they got it covered. I agree. And I also I, I think having everybody pile there and try to scare people off is kind of counterproductive, especially when you had Dio. And he could just like set up a stage and do like rainbow in the dark and shit, just distract (laughs) everybody. That'd be fucking sick. I'd stop striking immediately. And just, I think, I think if they had that Dio, they wouldn't need acid. They would fucking do a different kind of acid. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. If they're doing acid there, what do I need to be there for? They got it covered. They got, they got the acid baths. They got, they got people being shipped in. Yeah. All right. Yes. Do you understand how the concept of a union works now? Bigger membership in bigger places? I understood the concept. I just didn't know they teamed up and were like, let's form mega union. They're legitimately called the Teamsters. Anyways. um... (laughs) Sure. But I thought that meant like within a union class, like Walmarts and like other like you know what i mean like that would make oh, sense yeah, yeah, where it's yeah. like they all have the same thing like police i understand officers. what the question is i understand what the question is now yes no all sorts of different trades will come together for these like labor places like uh used to be like the steel workers union they're all like steel workers now it's like all sorts like electricians are in the steel workers you know there's all sorts of different trades that go into certain unions to keep them strong there's only ones that like teachers union only basically has teachers in it that's uh, fucked up Every every trade deserves their own union. You guys should leave those unions right now and go form your own. 
No, but that's the problem is they're not powerful enough. <laughs> they want to be strong, so they team up. But in Ontario, where I'm from, the teachers union is so strong, they used to own a highway. They used to own Maple Leaf Gardens. I mean, like anyone can adopt a highway here, so that's not really that impressive. <laughs> like a toll highway is what they own. I mean, Joe Biden owns a fucking highway by accident. All he did was <laughs> live in Pennsylvania. Hey, that's its own burden. So they, they <laughs> into that one. With the paper unions and DO, Hoffa's political foes knew exactly what he's doing and were outraged. Uh, a battle broke out within the Teamsters as to whether or not to even give the new unions, unions charter status and media attention at, that these inquiries brought also brought the attention of the U.S. Department of Justice. Beck and other Teamsters leaders questioned whether or not the government should be even allowed to investigate the union. This and the acid attack on Rizel, Rizel, uh prompted Senate to establish the Select Committee on Improper Activities in Labor and Management. This was January 30th, 1957. Robert F. Kennedy was hired as the subcommittee's chief counsel and investigator. JFK was on the committee before his presidency, while as a senator. Its chairman was John L. McClellan, Democrat from Arkansas. The committee was named the McClellan Committee informally. Now, even though many unions' records were destroyed and four of the paper unions were disbanded to avoid the scrutiny of the government, the McClellan Committee unearthed widespread corruption within the Teamsters Union and with Beck specifically. The committee put crooked leaders, crime bosses, common thugs, and their victims before the public in televised hearings. The main focus was Beck and Hoffa. The first televised hearings were on February 26, 1957. They had 1.5 million American viewers. Seeing the writing on the wall, by mid-February 57, Beck left the country for a month to avoid being subpoenaed. So with no Beck in sight, the McClellan committee shifted their focus over to Hoffa. At the hearing, RFK questioned Hoffa about the paper unions with Dio. Hoffa just kept saying, I don't recall whenever he asked about Dio. I don't remember that conversation. Could be, it could not. I don't know. I don't remember. While testifying to the televised McClellan committee, the FBI had recordings of Hoffa talking to Dio, conspiring to create even more paper unions. He first claims that he doesn't recall having the conversation. Then they, they play the, the recordings. And then, sorry, let me, let, before I tell you this part, Dio, like I said, was currently being indicted for throwing acid in Victor Rosal's face or whatever. Uh, but he was just interviewed for two hours where he pleaded the fifth over 50 times by the committee. So like he, he yeah. already was, he, he was already just grilled by the exact same committee. Then they just yeah, play they, his tracks right there. That's so sick. <laughs> you should look up Johnny Dio and look at his picture. Just look up Johnny Dio and look at his, there's one super famous picture of him and he looks pissed. He's got a smoke hanging out of his mouth. He looks like a rock star. He doesn't look like a gangster. I think he looks like a gangster. So yeah, after the FBI played the recordings, Hoffa denied that he was using Dio for anything nefarious. He just wanted the best person for the job. And that's all really the tapes prove is he's looking for somebody to organize unions. You know, in reality, it's not really that damning if he puts it that way, the way the recordings were. I was going to play some of the hearing, but it's like fucking so old. No, thanks. It's boring. What? It's not good. It it really isn't. It's too long. And he literally all Hoffa says is, I don't know. I don't remember. I don't know. I wish I could see it better because it's all old school, like shitty fucking far away. Like if you had angles like today, like court TV, apparently there's a point where he just keeps going. I don't know. I don't know. And he like looks at RFK and like gives him the wink. 
<laughs> like fuck you i don't know <laughs> i wish you could see that kind of stuff so i was disappointed in it when i watched it really can't believe you don't have a taste for classic metal richard yeah <laughs> you want to play some dio right now after these committee hearings hoffa was a household name a working hat class hero talking circles around and standing up to some of the dumb dumb politicians uh, young RFK was taken up and down by the seasoned and charismatic Hoffa, according to the working class people who commented on the whole affair. Uh, and this is where the point, uh, this is where I said he winks at Bobby after he verbally lashes him. Uh, I wish I could fucking find that part where he just winks at him because I love that. Just cocky. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. On March 13th, 1957, Hoffa was arrested for bribery. He was indicted for illegal possession of the McClellan committee documents Jimmy had bribed McClellan attorney John Cy Chesty $1,000 with promises of more money if he could get Hoffa investigation documents. And now, instead of taking the future bribe, Chesty went immediately to RFK. Kennedy arranged a document drop, uh, but set it up so the FBI could arrest Hoffa the moment the money changed hands. McChesty was given another $2,000 for the intel, and Hoffa was arrested on the spot. Now, let me just go ahead and say this now. Bobby and Ken- Bobby Kennedy and Jimmy Hoffa fucking hated each other, okay? Uh, Bob- RFK went on NPR and referred to Hoffa as the most dangerous man in America. Mm. Jimmy also hated the Kennedys, like he hated both of them. Uh, Hoffa would spell Bobby Kennedy with an I-E to make him look girlish. Like, that's what he would say. <laughs> <laughs> RFK was junior counsel on the McCarthy Anti-Communism Council. I don't know if you know anything about that. Oh, yeah. I'm well aware of McCarthyism. Did I freeze? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> I knew Are where you? you were going with it. Yeah. No, he just, Jimmy knew this, and he used it to his advantage of the public, claiming he was just out for another witch hunt, but instead of a communist, they were going after the union men this time. Jimmy was a working class high school dropout, and the Kennedys were country club fed with a silver spoon. Even so, the McClellan, the McClellan committee thought they had Hoffa dead to rights with the bribery charge. Bobby Kennedy even boasts to a reporter that if they don't convict Hoffa, he will jump off the Capitol dome. Drama. Yeah. Did he do it? Meanwhile, the McClellan committee finally gets Beck back from his Caribbean holiday. Beck testifies in front of the committee for the first time on March 25th, 1967. He admits to giving interest-free loans to himself from the union to the tune of 300000 late 1950s money. Senate investigators claim that the loans uh, to himself and other union officials were over $700,000. The McClellan committee indict Beck for tax evasion, which he does go to jail for, along with racketeering and embezzlement charges. After being convicted in 1959, he was given 15 years in Washington State Prison. He entered prison in 1962, and he appealed his convictions and got them reduced to three years. His wife died while he was on the inside. Then in 1965, after only serving 30 months in prison, the Washington State Board of Prison Terms and Paroles grants parole to one of its former members, Dave Beck. So Dave Beck had a 15-year sentence and only served 30 months. And after when he got out, he got to keep $50,000 a year in Teamster president pension and became a millionaire investing in parking lots before he died in 1993 at the age of 99. Wow. Yeah, that's the end of Beck. I just wanted to get to the end of him, but we're back at the hearings. Even though RFK got Beck, the hearings didn't go fully as Bobby wanted them to go. Jimmy Hoffa, his I don't remember, I don't recall routine worked like a charm at the hearing. 
During his bribery trial, Hoffa got an all-black jury and was already known as a civil. Uh, he was already known as a civil rights leader of sorts because he refused to segregate Teamsters by race. And after seeing his jury, Jimmy hired a black female lawyer to join his team, and even got some celebrity supporters in the courtroom with him. Former ch- champion of the world Joe Lewis showed up in support of Hoffa at his bribery trial. Lewis even hugged Hoffa in the courtroom in front of the jury. Surprisingly, the Teamsters Union paid for the former heavyweight's hotel bill while he was in New York supporting his main man, Hoffa. To Kennedy's shock, Hoffa was acquitted because of a hung jury. Hoffa then sends Bobby a little toy parachute so he could safely jump off the Capitol Dome. Fuck yeah. I fucking love that casually petty <laughs> shit. They had nothing better to do back in the day. They just fucking fucked with each other. And they kept going. Like, not only did that not work to get Hoffa, it actually made him more strong. It actually strengthened his position within the union and in America. Uh, with Beck under indictment, the union forced back into retirement. Jimmy is voted in for the first time as president of the IBT. Frankie Fitzsimmons, Fitzsimmons was appointed as his VP. Fitz was a longtime friend. Tony Pro was also given a big time job within the union. Tony Provenzano, Anthony Tony Pro Provenzano was a mafia guy. Chucky's still around too. I should mention Chucky. He was 23 at this time and he got a weird job called special assistant. I don't know what that means. Special Chucky. The IBT was uh, part of another big bunch of unions, but it wasn't just the Teamsters. It was like they would connect with each other. They're part of a bigger uh, thing. I didn't write down that. Who gives a fuck what the acronym is? They, had, they were in a bigger union setting, okay? But as soon as these other, like the engineer union and the other unit, I forget what it is, they, as soon as they saw Tony Pro got a job, like a big time job there, they're like, uh, we're going to kick you out of the bigger organization. This is where Jimmy's like, well, I guess I'm kicked out. And what did they do? He gave Tony Pro a raise just to fucking spite these assholes. At this time, approximately, is where Frank the Irishman Sheeran, a mafia hitman, joined the union at the request of Hoffa. This is where the movie Frank Sheeran writes a book called I Heard You Paint I Heard You Paint Windows or I Heard You Paint Walls or fuck whatever it's called. I heard you fix doors. I heard you fix doors. I heard you fucking open chess clubs. And then and then a few years later, um, Ed Sheeran writes Bad Habits just to describe the whole ordeal. Yeah. <laughs> I got a bad habit of uh jimmying locks <laughs> and solving light mechanical issues. Yeah, he wishes he had Ed's golden voice. This is Frank. I heard you paint uh windows i believe is what it is anyways it doesn't matter this is where it's, the fuck it's is. houses who the fuck paints windows no i know but i mean it's stupid the whole <laughs> oh, thing's stupid right. i'm making fun of it this is where the scorsese movie comes into play scorsese takes his autobiography or whatever the fuck it is biography and adapts it into the irishman yeah according to scorsese and sheeran himself the irishman ended up being the teamsters number one hitman hoffa called him and was like i heard you paint houses meaning you kill people and he's like yeah I do the repairs too or whatever the fuck the i didn't write that down i should have where does that reference come from where painting houses is killing people that's from ed or uh, frank sheeran the irishman himself wrote that that's what he that was like an old mafia term for killing someone. I guess. Well, it dates back to the 1800s during the great paint <laughs> shortage in Italy, where the only way to paint houses was to uh, decapitate people in front of the house 
and so go. that the blood spatter would would hit the side of it um is that legit yeah all the houses were red in italy during the 1800s fuck yeah it was that or marinara sauce and they weren't about to fucking give up the sauce pal. come on <laughs> so um anyways according to him he did efficient work didn't ask questions whatever now that kennedy was essentially embarrassed publicly by hoffa with the with the mini parachute he made it his goal to take hoffa down there's a famous story where rfk is driving home from a hard day at the office trying to take down jimmy hoffa and he drives past the teamsters head office now the teamsters office lights were still on and this made rfk go back to his office and continue to working to getting uh jimmy in jail if if jimmy's still at the head office working to stay out of jail i can work harder back at my office to make sure he gets there that's what his idea was now hoffa later found out about this thing with uh rfk's story and he's like recounted like the lights were on because we forgot to turn them off and then i heard about that so i just leave them on to fuck with rfk (laughs) like he would just purposely leave them on so rfk would think he's still working So I remember like, I don't know, a few days or a week ago, you guys talking about Pesci, De Niro, Pacino. I, now I understand why that came up, <laughs> but I was thinking this entire time, how great would it, I didn't, I didn't know about the Irishman movie, but how great would it be if like uh, Jonah Hill, James Franco, like if they put together a version of this and it was just a comedy, I was, yeah. I, but now I, I understand why that, you guys were like, saying uh, that. I just saw messages about, yeah, I get it now. That that would be incredible, like a death of Stalin type thing, but with like the whole man. That would be very stoner. fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Jonah, because Jonah, because you're listening, we would watch it. We'd be interested. Yeah. 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 So he left the lights on to fuck with RFK. I, I think Hoffa was really smart in this way too. I think he knew how competitive the Kennedys were, and he knew he'd try to compete with them. So he did it on purpose to tire him out. I think he would like make him stay up super late. So it would fuck him up even more. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. I, I just, I, no one ever said that, but I, the more I think about this story, the more like Hoffa just sounds like he was like, oh yeah, I'll use your, cause that's probably an advantage to the Kennedys, how competitive they were, but he was probably like, I'll take your advantage and I'll use it against you. Right. I, I that's just what I think. I don't know if that, no one ever said that. Just what I think. U.S. presidential elections were coming up, even though Hoffa and the IBT backed Nixon in the election. He still used like, you can't even put this guy in jail. And he's like, but I'll take his money. Uh, <laughs> yeah, IBT is usually a Democratic voter, but they fucking hated the Kennedy so much that they went with Mr. Nixon. Uh, the McClellan committee wasn't a complete waste. Their efforts culminated in the Labor Management and Disclosure Act. It requires unions to file their annual financial reports to the Labor Department and ban convicted criminals from holding union office, amongst a few other little things. So that that's pretty much over in 1960 when JFK is elected. The committee kind of disbands and JFK is now president. The reason they I don't know if this is the reason, but a, a reason that they disbanded, I believe, is that JFK took Robert and made him his attorney general. As soon as Hoffa finds this out, he's like, I'm going to have to hire 200 more lawyers to keep up with these guys now, which he wasn't wrong because RFK was out to get Hoffa. Bobby literally and secretly creates an actual quote unquote get Hoffa squad aimed at putting Hoffa away and curtailing the activities of the mafia uh, within the unions. JFK even pressured J. Edgar Hoover to look into the mafia and the unions, which hoover didn't really want to do because he was too busy hoovering dick yeah he's 
just saying there was a lot going on at this time, like with Hoover and Hoffa and the Kennedys and fucking, I mean, just like every, there's, there's a conspiracy here that people don't fucking like, there's, there's something that happened. That's just like fucking interconnected. If I had all the time in the world, like I need a whole fucking network graph here to connect these pieces. Cause there's some oh, shit there's a lot. here. I'm telling you, yeah. the there's Russians a, are involved. The fucking CIA. There's a lot everybody. going on. There, there's, there's so much going on. This is just like the Jimmy Hoffa wasn't even the biggest story going on at the time, right? Like the Cuban Missile Crisis and all that shit was the crazier shit going on at the time. And guess who had fucking uh, casinos in Cuba? Hoffa. Anyways, we'll get more into that after. I've I've actually been um, quite hung up on this acid attack. <laughs> No, the acid attack is. Uh, I I just wanted you guys to understand. That's how fucking psycho these mafia guys were. That's all. I, I really... can't. I can't get over this guy Victor Riesel though. Like the pictures of him. If you look him up, he like <laughs> just like adjusted so well to being a blind guy. He looks so fucking cool. Like he's just yeah, got he, the sunglasses, he... smoking a cigarette, just being a journalist forever blind. They got yeah. him with big balls of cotton <laughs> on his eyes, just at a typewriter, like. <laughs> But and I don't and I don't know if you said this and I'm sorry if I missed it. Okay. I had to stop myself from laughing a second ago because when they threw the acid into his eyes, Riesel shouted, "My gosh, my gosh!" <laughs> I didn't say that. No. <laughs> it's true though. Did he, he really did say, say that, gosh. or did they clean it up for the newspaper? It, it, it could be, but I don't know, man. Because uh, what, what was it in the '50s? So like. He was, he had a woman with him. So I'm guaranteeing it. He said, well, gosh, I'm guaranteeing it. They, a woman can't hear the swear words. Then we already went over this. They can't uh, yes, hear the we did. Words. That's just so funny that like, even having your eyes sizzled out of your head isn't, <laughs> isn't doesn't excuse you from cussing. It would take far less than that for me to start cursing oh, up a storm. Yeah. Exactly. Oh yeah, for I, sure. Stub a toe. Cannot. I could stub. I was gonna say I could stub my fucking toe, <laughs> and I would lose it. I I literally yeah. just sit down and say fuck, like every yeah, time. Exactly. Just like fuck. Uh, one final thought uh, on this. This guy, uh, as cool as he looked and as horrible as that was to happen to him, huge, huge fucking piece of shit. Super into McCarthyism. Uh, and went beyond that and thought that no homosexual should be in federal service and was very outspoken about that. So yeah. it took the right man's eye. Yeah, yeah. I, I get, that's I kind of breezed over it because I just want to show you a cycle they were. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, these people are yeah, all yeah, yeah. not very good people. Like, honestly, let's be honest. 1950, man. Like, I've watched Mad yeah. Men. They're pieces of shit. I, I don't um, think there was a good person at any point for decades. Yeah, like, I'm sure there was good people, but they are just fucking put in jail for being a communist or whatever you know what i mean they always found the good person said you shut up i don't know man like i'm sorry i'm, I'm always so skeptical of just like anybody old timey because like you hear about like all these like good things they do but like knowing that it happened like 60 years ago i'm like that's awesome really wonder what they thought of black people though yeah exactly. you know like you just can't so true. trust it i think ronald reagan did it that's my guess there's too many fucking presidents involved, and then magically Reagan, who wants to put his fucking yeah, nose let's, in everything, let's, let's keep, wasn't let's involved. Keep the theories like Reagan's a good theory. Keep it, keep it, and we'll put it in your pocket. And we'll get to it in a minute because there's still a little bit more that you're gonna very much enjoy. It's coming right now. J. Edgar Hoover is forced to look into the mafia by JFK. J. Edgar Hoover did not want to do that because he was too busy hoovering dicks, according to McCarthy. R.J. Uh, he just didn't want to because I'm pretty sure he was involved in the mafia too. So he was kind of letting them get away with a bunch of shit. But JFK was in cleaning house. 
Uh, Bobby starts using wiretapping and IRS information to illegally take down Hoffa. This is what his plan is. Uh, 1961, Hoffa is re-elected as IBT president for the first time. Even though Hoffa is being investigated by the federal government and Hoffa is spending a considerable amount of time defending himself against these accusations, the Teamsters still loved him. And if they didn't love him, they'd find out why they should love him by our little buddy Guido over here. So by November 22nd, 1963, what happens? JFK is assassinated. I never knew that. (laughs) Oh, shit, what? Yeah, when Jimmy hears the news of the uh, assassination, Jimmy Hoffa is said to have gotten up on his chair at the restaurant he was in and yelled, I hope the worms eat his eyes out. Fuck. He He also refused to put the flag at half-mast for the fallen president. Okay, but here's the thing. Had he not done that and had he complied, he would have been Mm. suspect number one. Well, he was already suspect number one right away. Uh, Hoffa was so cold. Yeah, but suspect number two is the CIA, and I mean, they outshined very quickly. Uh, RFK and other conspiracy theories right away thought that it was brought on by Hoffa's people, the assassination of JFK. Because of the U.S. embargo in Cuba, Hoffa had to close down its casinos in Havana, and so the story fit. Hoffa had a motive. Wait, I have more questions. How many U.S. people had casinos in Cuba? Because I didn't know that was a fucking thing. I don't know. I didn't look that much into it. I just know he had some there. So are there a lot of casinos in Cuba? Like, is it, wor- is it worth a trip? Not anymore. It's fucking communist town now, buddy. Buddy. Hold on. All right. So I'll look into it for us. Thanks. By 1964, Jimmy Hoffa did the most significant thing in a lot of people's eyes uh, while he was union president. He negotiated the National Master Freight Agreement, uh, united over 400,000 road over the road truck drivers under one contract. It's basically why he's considered a labor union tycoon and shit like like he's he's remembered for that being his biggest thing also in 1964 he was arrested for jury tampering conspiracy and fraud the jury tampering was from a case in 1962 hoffa planned to pay off local teamster manager ed parton to rig a jury in favor with him the issue was a trucking company that he invested in he was going to pay off their debt with the union money So what Ed Parton was supposed to do was go give the people that were going to be on the jury. If you testify against Jimmy Hoffa, or if you say Jimmy Hoffa is not guilty, we'll give you $10,000 or whatever payoffs. Okay. That's what the guy's supposed to do. But Parton goes to Kennedy and tells him the whole shebang right away. I don't know what's with these why RFK got these guys to turn on him real quick. I don't know what he was offering calling him a hero, I guess. I don't know. That's what this guy did a lot. This guy's a hero. It's like, maybe. Bobby also decided not to tell anybody that Parton was his witness. He wanted to keep him secret. So Hoffa couldn't really figure out how the FBI was onto his plan. He thought the FBI was wiretapping him, which like I said earlier, they were. Uh, Parton's testimony was uh, the entire what the entire case rested on. And they did get a conviction on Hoffa with it. Bobby was very lucky to have found Mr. Parton because the he would have looked like he would have had like a crusade against Hoffa with little to no evidence. Again, he was getting to that point where people were starting to call him crazy. So once Parton entered the courtroom, Hoffa realized it was his buddy Parton who sold him out and Hoffa had a temper tantrum in the middle of the courtroom where he threw chairs and chairs and yelled at the judge and his, uh, his own attorneys being like, this guy's fucking killing us here. 
even though he had a temper tantrum mid-court, that didn't really stop much. The judge still found him guilty, or the jury still found him guilty on jury tampering, and he got eight years in prison for that. Two months later, Hoffa was in Chicago facing the fraud and conspiracy charges, and this was because he was using Teamster pension funds to fund a shitty development called Sun Valley Real Estate. They are developing shitty land. It fell through. It was like terrible swamp land or whatever, and they couldn't really develop it. So he was like paying them off again to pay their debts the first time when he got caught doing it. But if this deal would have gotten gone through, there would have been $1.7 million kickback for Hoffa directly. So he got five years. He was found guilty on that five years for both of those charges as well. So Kennedy finally got Hoffa for 13 years. Hoffa got bail while he was in appeals and Hoffa spent a lot of time appealing. Uh, this case even made it up to the Supreme Court where it was upheld. Hoffa was still trying to portray himself as an everyman and workers' rights activist. He and the union backed other civil rights activists. On March 30th, 1965, Hoffa backed a young Martin Luther King Jr. in support of civil rights. He gave him a check for $25,000. And Jimmy was quoted during that speech or whatever. If they want segregation, we don't want them. Referring to like the Southern Union's organizing campaigns. They were trying to get rid of black people in their unions. And he wasn't having it. While on bail in 1966, Hoffa's reelected as IBT president for the third time. Uh, convicted of felonies at this point, but they still put him back in power. Yeah, his image of being an everyman was holding up and so were his mafia connections. And this is where Jimmy gets his friend Frank Fitzsimmons, old Fitzy, appointed again as VP. Fitz had known uh, Hoffa since 1935 from the old 299 days. He worked for Hoffa over the years and was one of the few people Hoffa thought he could control from prison. Jimmy Hoffa had to start his 13-year sentence on March 7th, 1967. Fitz becomes an acting president of the IBT. Hoffa to run the union from jail through his good old buddy Fitz. Fitz almost immediately changes the way the union is run. Fitz decentralized the power, giving local chapters more authority to make decisions instead of the unilateral power that Hoffa had given himself. Fitz also takes away power from many of Hoffa's loyalists and replaces their jobs with his own loyalists. While this is happening, Hoffa's pissed, but this is the first year, about 1967, that's when uh, Robert Kennedy's assassinated. Hoffa's in jail at the time. Now, nothing's reported about an outburst like when JFK was assassinated from Hoffa, but I bet you there was something. Our buddy Tony Provenzano was in jail with Jimmy Hoffa. Tony was in for extortion, which is a federal fucking crime, a big one. Um, Tony went up to Hoffa and asked him if he could make sure that Tony still gets his pension when he gets out of jail. Big crimes like extortion make you ineligible for pension after the fact. Tony Pro took it as Jimmy was personally attacking him. And within jail, Tony Pro and Jimmy became enemies. Uh, Hoffa wrote a book in jail. It was called The Trials of Jimmy Hoffa. Meh, bunch of meh. I read a bunch of it. I was getting bored, so I moved on. By 1971, Hoffa is forced from many angles to quit the union, which he does. He's got a lot of guys telling him, you're done now. Um, the main one being this. First off, right after he gets kicked off, Fitz is pressuring him because he has no friends outside anymore. All his friends got taken off. Uh, so Fitz gets 
put as the president. But uh, on December 23rd, 1971, Nixon pardons Hoffa after only serving less than five years. Hoffa had conditions to his release, one of them being he wasn't to be involved in any union business until March 6, 1980. I'm pretty sure quitting the union was one of the stipulations for Hoffa getting the pardon as well. The Irishman Sheeran, Frankie, apparently brought money and bribed Nixon for the release of Hoffa. He gave it to his chief of staff or whatever. This is what he says in his book. Fitz apparently also bribed Richard Nixon to get Jimmy Hoffa out of jail as well, asking him to put the stipulation that Hoffa was not allowed as union president anymore. So Fitz could come in and take power. Fitz even went public with his ask to pardon. Like he went on a fucking pulpit and actually said that those words out loud, which that's how badly he wanted to be president. I see that. So when Jimmy gets out of prison or prison, he's given a pension from the union. They gave him a lump sum of 1.75 million in 1971 money. Wow. It's a good, it's a good chunk of change. In the 1972 election, the Teamsters Union backs Richard Nixon's campaign again, even though they vote for Democrats, like I said. So I'm guessing that was part of the bribe. You've backed mm. the back the Nixon campaign. Chris. Yeah. Uh, And even though Jimmy had his freedom back, he still wanted back in the union game. Uh, In 1973, Jimmy sued the American justices by saying that Hoffa couldn't join the union. The courts disagreed and he was not allowed to play union anymore. Even President Fitzy sided with the government on this one. Of course he did. I don't want I don't want to lose my power. So Hoffa returned back to his original union to garner support for a comeback, the local 299. Some mafia men were very opposed to the return of Hoffa. Uh, while Hoffa had been in jail, Fitz couldn't control the mafia as good as Hoffa. And the mafia boys were making hand over fist more money now that Hoffa wasn't keeping them in check. Fitz was kind of a putz. He would just let them take whatever money they wanted. So if Hoffa came back, there'd be rules. Fuck that noise, right? One of the people opposed to Hoffa's re-entry into the unions was mobster Anthony Pro Vanzano, our buddy Anthony Pro, Tony Pro. He just didn't like Hoffa anymore. Tony Pro is still mad at Hoffa, uh, even though Hoffa had no control over it at all. Um, July 30th, 1975, Jimmy Hoffa left home to meet Tony Pro and Tony Jack for a dinner at Maccus Red Fox restaurant. Tony Jackaloni. Remember Tony Jackaloni? So he's Hoffa sets up a dinner with these guys so he can like marry the hatchet, get back in the union. He doesn't think President Nixon's all wrapped up in Watergate right now. So he doesn't think Nixon's going to pay attention to the unions. He thinks if he strikes now, he'll be able to get in. No problem. So he just needs the mafias. Okay. So he sets up this dinner and they didn't show the, the two, the two Tonys didn't show Tony Jack and Tony pro didn't show. So off of being all pissy gets out of his chair, goes across the street where the nearest payphone was calls his wife and tells her he's going to be running a bit late and wouldn't be home until 4 p.m. This is supposed to be dinner. It must have been lunch. I don't know about the States. They call dinner lunch. Is that a thing? I don't know. No, no I've never. I mean, well, so Italians love to eat like multiple dinners. So <laughs> they're like hobbits. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say they're like hobbits. They like <laughs> fucking second salonies. And uh... anyway, so he calls his wife. Uh, said he won't be home till around 4 p.m. This is the last time anyone ever heard from Jimmy Hoffa. Until the 90s, the Maccus Red Fox would still get prank calls asking for Jimmy Hoffa. So that's, that place became famous. 
Um, witnesses claim they saw a burgundy mercury marquee drive up to the restaurant with three people inside. They rolled down the window and had a brief conversation with Hoffa before he got into the back seat voluntarily. This is the last time anyone ever saw Jimmy Hoffa. No one has ever found his body. No one has ever heard from him again. Many back in the day, but even now, think of Jimmy Hoffa as a labor hero. In, in ways he was, he united many unions, make one of the biggest and strongest unions in the U.S. He also, when he was done his presidency, left the Teamsters penniless. He, also, he actually negotiated terrible deals and forgot where he came from, the working class. Jimmy Hoffa was pronounced presumed dead in 1982. Most of the theories uh, have to involve Hoffa being dead. Although I might just throw a theory in there where he just, you know what, we'll say theory number one. I'm just doing it right now. He ran off with a bunch of Cuban money and lives in Cuba for the rest of his days. Never was killed, never anything. He just pretended he was going to see Tony Pro and Tony Jack. Never actually did. Drove off, went off into the sunset with whatever stolen pension money he did. That's theory number one where fuckface is. They never found a body, nothing like that. There's a lot of people that say they saw him in Cuba over the years or say they saw him in South America over the years. I just, I don't know. He's such a recognizable figure in America and North America anyway. You figure someone would have saw him at some point. Right. Maybe. Survived. What do you think? Yes, it's probably not on your list. He's gone. I actually think that Kennedy and Hoffa were somehow targeted by the same people. Oh, wow. <laughs> the Palestinians, both who had major. So surprisingly, both Hoffa and Bobby Kennedy had major support for the uh, Israelis. And I'm sure, as you guys know, the person that assassinated Bobby Kennedy was Saran Saran, a uh, Palestinian who basically only killed him because uh, Bobby Kennedy was super supportive of the Israelis and sending fighters to assist in any way he could. Rick's Rick's an Israel sympathizer. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm I'm well. I'm not saying I'm not saying either way. I'm just saying on the other side. You support shooting brown kids who throw rocks. I get it, man. It was expected. I'm not gonna let it break up the band. Don't worry. I just think it's really weird that Jimmy Hoffa was like so supportive of something that Bobby Kennedy was. They were so against each other. Unless it was like a fake rivalry in order to like seed him into the mafia further and he was like a plant it was distraction tactics man they were just fighting over here while they're doing handshake under the table deals over here man it could be that but what if, what if he was like undercover for like the highest level of the government inside the mob the mafia whatever mm. and then eventually he just got sent into witness protection because kennedy got killed both of them kind of shitty but yeah both of them I'm thinking he's still alive. Yeah, I'm going to go with that. I think he's still alive. I think he's in witness protection. I think he's working for the government. If you think of everybody that was involved that would have known that he was undercover, Hoover, the Kennedys, all died right before he went missing. Yes. I think it's way too connected to just like he magically disappears and there's no body or like the mafia doesn't give a shit about leaving bodies. They want symbols, right? If it was them, there's a symbol. If it's if it's the Palestinians, they want a symbol of like, this is against Israel. Hell, if it was Israel, it's the same thing. They want a symbol of this is against Palestine. I think he's probably just either, you know, fled on his own or was hidden for some reason. I have got one question that kind of has to do with this, um, what you're saying, but really not. Okay, so remember when we were talking about uh, 
Tehran. How do you say that again? Tehran. You said it correctly. Tehran. What, what was the one you were saying? Like Iran. 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 Was it Iran? Iraq. Iraq. Yeah. Okay. I was just wondering why you don't say Sirhan. Sirhan instead of Saran. Saran. Anyway, I, I don't know proper. There's S I H R A N. Uh, Israeli dialect. Dialect. <laughs> so you think he's? Still... I don't believe that. Uh, I think you, you think listen he... in on lots of phone calls. <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling you can distinguish between two very similar Middle Eastern languages to figure out where someone exactly is regionally. Yeah, well, Hebrew is not my specialty, unfortunately. <laughs> no, I think I, I, I think he was working I, I, very close to... Listen, a lot of these like conspiracies that pop up can be solved very quickly when you start linking it back to the government and the shady shit that happened, not just our government, every government, right? And the shady shit that happens in terms of like the geopolitical world that's constantly moving and just nonstop like spying on people. I really think that it's just, he was, you know, deep within it, somehow got a deal with Bobby Kennedy and they just made it this big public thing. So he go back out there and be against him and, that's what happened. And then eventually everybody that knew died and he either fled himself or got hidden by other people. Okay. Well, here's a, what do you got RJ? I see you got. Uh, so I was, I'm thinking he got murdered for sure. Um, I think that guy, uh, Johnny Dio did it. And then uh, <laughs> killed him with a wicked guitar riff. Made yeah. him explode with a yep. perfect three chord power metal song yeah it was always his dream of course he wants to hide the bodies so that he can one day go on to be what uh revolver called in their golden god awards in 2010 metal's best singer i mean that's how do you do that if you have a body count you know what i mean and and i know they look a lot different but i mean johnny dio is a pretty big guy and he had an affinity for acid and Ronnie James Dio looks exactly like someone dipped in acid. So <laughs> he probably just submerged himself and yeah, I don't know. It did some kind of fuck readers, vocal cords to create that godlike voice. And, and yeah, he just went on to print gold records, man. It's just, just a light theory. Okay. So I'll go through some, some other theories that are out there on the internet. Maybe I can change your guys' minds. What does that sound like? How's that sound? This is our season premiere, by uh, the way. Yeah, you can do whatever premiere. you want. You will never change my mind, uh, but you you go ahead. This one really is the hardest. Like, it doesn't seem... Okay, like, if you just say Jimmy Hoffa and unions, and you're like, ah, this will be, like... You know, you could probably find people involved. This, like, so quickly and so... In such a dumb way, like, becomes connected to the highest levels of every other fucking conspiracy in the United States during this time. There is no way to solve it. You have to solve, like, you literally have to solve both Kennedy assassinations, the reasonings for them. You have to, you have to figure out J. Edgar Hoover, and then you have to also penetrate the CIA and figure out what the fuck they might have been hiding back in literally all of their history. Like, how do you, how do you figure this out? And before you know it, you're denying the Holocaust. I know, Rick, it's hard. Which is a fucking, that's a cakewalk. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. My point is this, that's off brand. We guarantee a solve every time. We're solving this motherfucker. Don't even don't even say this is unsolvable. Nothing's unsolvable. I feel like we used to figure it out when Abigail was here and now it just messed everything up. You're an Abigail apologist. She fucking stole our money. All right. Theory, there's only three theories in this one. It's not lots. Theory number 1, the FBI killed Hoffa. 
Some conspiracy theorists claim that Hoffa was killed by the FBI because Hoffa was supposed to testify before the special U.S. Senate investigative panel known as the Church Committee. The Church Committee was set up to investigate the mob's connection to the attempted assassination of Cuban leader Fidel Castro. If Jimmy knew anything connected, connecting the mafia attempts at Castro's life and the U.S. government, specifically the FBI, Hoover would be in deep shit. And we don't put it past Hoover to kill someone off to save his own hide. So there's one reason people think the FBI may have killed Jimmy Hoffa. Okay. Uh, FBI could have killed Hoffa too, because he knew that Fitz and Nixon had connections and they both, and Fitz had very uh, tight connections with the mafia, meaning Nixon probably had very tight connections with the mafia. So Fitz apparently bribed Nixon to get Hoffa out of jail as well, just as Hoffa had. Uh, and I wouldn't put it past Nixon to kill someone to save his own hide as well. Uh, but my favorite FBI killed Hoffa story is the account of Joseph Franco. Joseph Franco was a former associate of Hoffa's in the Teamsters. He was also a career criminal. But Franco said that the federal agents abducted Hoffa, took him up in a private plane, and threw him out somewhere over the Great Lakes. I feel like this theory is a little over the top, literally. So I don't know about <laughs> that, but... Uh... <laughs> the thing about this, this, this whole Hoffa thing, is that there's people lined up around the block to admit to killing the Jimmy Hoffa. It has nothing to do with who did it. It's which of these fucking 25 people who claim they did it actually did it. So the next one, Teamsters killed Hoffa. Fitz is as good a suspect as anyone else. He had the most to lose. The Teamster presidential election was the year after Jimmy went missing. If we learn anything about Hoffa today, that he doesn't care what he's told he's supposed to do. Hoffa just got done whatever he thought he needed to get done by whatever means necessary. He wasn't following laws. He was just doing shit. He wasn't going to listen to Nixon saying he wasn't allowed. He was going to do it. Fitz knew Hoffa. So Fitz knew that Hoffa, if he wanted to be president again, he was going to get it. So Fitz basically either gets a couple Teamster buddies, tough guys, or even hires the mafia. Just gets some fucking anti-Hoffa Fitz loyalist and agree to his paranoia and just off him. Uh, and then hope the FBI assumes that the mafia kills Hoffa because of his mafia ties and then Fitz can get off scot-free. I don't know if this is true. Fitz is really considered, well, he was treated, you know what? This might be why it's true. Fitz was treated like a putz by Hoffa and his people. He was the guy who was like, Fitz, go get us coffee, piece of shit. You know, he wasn't like a respected member of his team. He was a guy that they thought they could control, but he actually wasn't a putz. He wasn't really stupid at all. That's what he just assumed. Hoffa, I guess, treated him like that. Uh, in the years of him being president after Hoffa's death, Fitz is said to have made better deals than Hoffa could have ever made for his workers and the turned around the pension fund and everything else. So it actually had money in it. So maybe Fitz is kind of have a little bit of a revenge boner in there too. Like I'll kill this guy for thinking I'm stupid, but I'm not actually stupid. Or maybe he was actually stupid and it didn't happen. I don't know. I'm just saying Fitz had a pretty big motive here. So we shouldn't eliminate Fitz and the teamsters. I, I can agree with that. Except uh, one fatal flaw to that theory, literally anybody named Fitz is verifiably stupid. <laughs> that is something that has never it's always rang true in my experience. I think that's the new t-shirt. Fuck Fitz's. Yeah. I just want to say one thing. Anyone that's listening who just heard us glaze over the church committee, 
if you're ever interested in something, go research the church committee because it dives much, much deeper than anything related that Jimmy Hoffa is even worth mentioning and has everything to do with how America both fucked up and didn't fuck up intelligence in the years to follow. So just go, go look into that. We glazed right over it. Follow the donuts, everybody. Yeah, follow the donuts. Uh, I agree. It's super interesting. It's just a lot to cover in five minutes. So I just wanted yeah. people to know that he was subpoenaed. That he, he was going to talk in front of the church committee and it may have had gigantic implications. So Hoffa getting killed by the government because of that does not shock me. If the government killed Hoffa because of that, looking back, they were probably like, fuck, that was a guy we didn't need to kill because we fucked up so much worse than what he was going to say. Because <laughs> yeah. the church committee just fucking went downhill after that. Um, so the last one, sorry, I got into it too quickly last time. Uh, the mob killed Hoffa. Now, it's not, like I said earlier, it's not really a matter of, in my opinion, it's not a matter of who killed him or, or it's not a matter of like, if he's dead, it's a matter of like who killed him. And there's fucking so many people that line up to take claim to murdering him. It's unreal. More than people who, who claim to be D.B. Cooper. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Really? 100%. Oh, yeah. Way more. Is there anyone out there that claims to be Jimmy Hoffa? No, but there's there's several guys. Hoffa. Yeah, there's several guys out there who confuse jimmy hoffa and db cooper and they think they're claiming <laughs> to be db cooper but they're saying jimmy hoffa so yeah there's yeah. definitely lots yeah. of those guys they have mullets <laughs> the mob killed hoffa and this is the prevailing theory most uh, places i saw i think the government takes the stance you hanging out with the wrong people and across the wrong people really is what it boils down to now there's been many different theories about how the mob killed like some theories uh he was killed and thrown in a landfill uh he's in giant stadium at the concrete in the end zone uh that's like the oldest one right this theory was first made into the collective unconsciousness when donald franco's gave an interview to playboy magazine People actually did read that for the article. Donald Franco, a.k.a. Tony the Greek, was a mob hitman who was in witness protection at the time, about to testify against famous New York City gangster John Gotti. It said that uh, Hoffa was shot with a 22 silence pistol, dismembered with a meat cleaver and chainsaw, stuffed into plastic bags and frozen for months. Then, when the construction workers were pouring the concrete for the end zone, Hoffa's dismembered and frozen chunks of body were thrown into the mix, never to be found again. The person that thought of that conspiracy, you need fucking help. What the fuck? Who comes up with that shit? <laughs> yeah, that, that, I agree. That's probably not something you could do by yourself. No, it's you, mob. Yeah, mob you, so they you all... need someone. You need help holding like the arm so you can disconnect it from the torso that's not i'm telling you this motherfucker's still alive the people that have the craziest death stories are the people that are still off living somewhere like elvis (laughs) right like just it's like it's like the craziest ways whitney houston it's like the craziest ways to die and they're still out there somewhere you think doing cocaine off of fucking hotel fucking fireplace is a Crazy There's more to that died. story. We'll cover it. No spoilers. We'll cover it. No <laughs> the confession was con- taken seriously in 1989 by the FBI, but there was never any evidence. Uh, and then I guess they looked into it enough when the stadium was demolished in 2010, giant stadium, the FBI didn't even bother showing up. So they didn't even look. They don't even care. Oh, oh actually, I probably <laughs> No. Okay. Well, <sighs> Well, here's the thing. Like, okay, you do find him. What does that gain you? You don't know who did it. You just know where he is. And that's just paperwork. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Anything that ends up being connected to Hoover or the Kennedys, you steer clear of in government. It's like, I'm not touching that <laughs> shit. That's, that's gotta be like the general rule, right? Like I would assume so. Yeah. That's just fucking, I don't even know what the word is. Scarlet. Letter. I could only imagine. I could only imagine if the Mounties figured out like who killed JFK, they would be like, Nope. Then Mounties would just be like, Oh, we're not going to touch this. eh?" And then, clip clop off into the distance wait I'm, I'm sorry there's no way the mounties are the analog for the fbi <laughs> no no i'm just saying i could you imagine like a country that is like america's top hat like figuring out who who killed our beloved president like what are they gonna do they're not <laughs> no, gonna talk i can one. imagine is like one of the mounties doing what fbi does <laughs> and like tracing like and having to watch child pornography <laughs> Well, let me tell you, the Mounties are our FBI. That is our FBI. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, our FBI is also their FBI. (laughs) (laughs) We got the RCMP, Royal Canadian Mounted Police. All right. The next one. Uh, So this is from the Scorsese movie, The Irishman. Apparently, Philadelphia Mafia boss Russell Bufalino wanted Hoffa dead. Frank, the Irishman, Sheeran, comes to kill Hoffa. They were friends, Sheeran and Hoffa, but he said that Hoffa's hit was inevitable, and for it to be humane, Sheeran wanted to do it himself. He wanted to be the man and pull the trigger. He didn't want his friend to suffer, and that's a quote. I don't want my friend to suffer. Uh, Sheeran claims that he brought Hoffa to an abandoned house in northwestern Detroit and shot him in the back of the head while he wasn't paying attention. And Hoffa's body was cremated in a trash incinerator. Sheeran told authorities where the shooting took place. And decades later, after tearing up the floorboards, there was actually blood at the scene. After DNA analysis, it turns out the blood was Hoffa's after all. And since there's no evidence to this story, Sheeran's the story, the FBI chalked this up to a fabrication by Sheeran. Wait, 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 uh, wait, most wait, credible. Wait, you cut out a little bit there. Yeah. Did you say the blood was or was not? Hot? Was not. It was not. No, he said it. He said it was just paint. Yeah, it was just paint. I fired you. Yeah, walls. there was some literally, confusion. Yeah, literally, I do. Yeah. What year was this? Frankie the Irishman Sheeran. It was like in the nineties. I didn't write it down exactly from when he wrote his book. And they just had Hoffa's DNA, and they're like, Nah, not him. Nah. They have his DNA because people in his life still exist. His his son is still there. Oh, okay, but that's the assumption that that's actually his son. A dude that doesn't curse in front of his wife, that dude's a cuck. <laughs> am I wrong? Am I? You both laugh. You both laugh, but am I wrong? No, no. You, I think you solved it. I think the mystery here that's been solved is that it doesn't matter what happened to Jimmy Hoffa. He's a fucking cuck. Yeah, he's a pussy. He's a pussy cuck, as we would call him. Oh, God. Hoffa was a cuck. Okay, that's yeah. a new one. I didn't even think of that. Him and Victor Riesel both not. Swimming. You know what though? There's so much talk about you know. I hate this because this this story acts like we're in the 20s and we're really not right. We're like in the late we're in the early 80s, like late 70s, and there's no mention of any of their wives. Like you know, there's some like secret underground oh, shit. Sure. Like these motherfuckers know something. Oh, the the wives are probably the best people to talk to. I guarantee none of the yeah. FBI guys went and talked to them though, because they went, them lady brains are too small to understand mm-hmm. our bigger words. Fucking douchebags from back in the day. Like I said, they didn't even mention Jimmy's sister's names ever. Like that's crazy. 
not once. Maybe it's in one of the books. There's like 50 books written on the subject. So maybe, I don't know. Maybe his sisters killed him because they just don't have identities. They just like yeah, exactly. hobbled, <laughs> hobbled in all conjoined and were like, never thought you'd see me or us or us. we don't know how to refer to ourselves either. But here we I are. Yeah. Or it was a test. And only one of the sisters killed him to see if they would both be convicted. Mm. Only one of the heads claim insanity. Do they both get off? Mm. Yeah. So the most the most credible mafia one, in my opinion, is that Tony Pro and Tony Jackaloni were the two in the Mercury Marquee along Wait, with his doctor. Tony Jackaloni. Why do I know that name separately from this case? Um, because there's, there's another guy, uh, Jackie Tonaloni. Uh, no. uh, Johnny Beefaroni <laughs> and, and the most credible to me is that Tony Pro and Tony Jack Tony Jackaloni were the two in the Mercury Marquee along with his adoptive son Chucky that's who he was going to have supper with that day and it seems the most likely that those were the guys that met up with them when they're late Okay, Tony Pro openly had beef with them so I think this is a no brainer uh, Hoffa was lured to the car by the adoptive son, Chucky. Chucky was either willing or unwilling to do the plan, but uh, both ways, but that Chucky was duped because Hoffa was actually good to him for no reason. He didn't have to be. He was. Um, <coughs> the mafia knew Hoffa would need a familiar face to get in the car with them. So they used Chucky. Wow, that makes sense. What's friendlier looking than a good guy, Dal? That, <laughs> the Burgundy Marquis matched the description of Tony Jackaloni's car. Chucky was borrowing the car at the time. Chucky didn't look innocent, though. His alibi uh, that he, he it was that he was at the gym with Tony Jack when Hoffa was said to be at the restaurant. And he was in the car wash right after the, uh, the gym with Tony Jack, cleaning fish blood out of the back of the vehicle right after they went to the gym. So he, he went to the gym. Then they were at the car wash cleaning fish blood out of the marquee. Mm. As you can imagine, the alibi was very suspect. And eight days after the disappearance, the FBI got some sniff scent dogs to smell the mercury. Hoffa's scent was in the backseat along with a strand of hair that later on turned out to be Jimmy Hoffa's. The hair, oh, decades later, sorry. Uh, Not enough evidence to charge anyone, though. And I think this is the FBI's official narrative as to what happened because they can't really prove anything. But I think this is what they there at the end of the day was some rumors have him getting compacted in a scrapyard within a car put through a wood chipper chopped up put into barrels and shipped to florida to be fed to alligators killed and buried under almost every new development at the time the list goes on there's like a hundred of these things he jimmy hoffa is basically a murder theory mad lib that's what i think about that <laughs> murder theory mad lib. yeah he's got so many of them so i if it's if it's the mob i think it's tony jack and tony pro with the help of chucky um that's my theory but there's a thousand of them there's like so many of them there's one more that i put by itself that's the mob okay wait before before you get to that i i don't know if you guys know that i strongly believe in simulation theory that we're all just living in a simulation Mm -hmm. what are the fucking chances this missing okay you will eventually and all of our every single one of our listeners right now listening to this will eventually listen to missing alaska podcast and Missing Alaska is all about like congressmen that I don't want to spoil it, but a plane goes down. This is this is known fact, right? The plane goes down. They all get killed. I don't want to spoil the probably what happened to them. But I have not listened to this since July. They release a new episode 
today when we are talking about this. What are the fucking chances of that? And they are connected to all this J. Edgar Hoover bullshit. And I would have never before this conversation thought Jimmy Hoffa was connected to it. But now I think he is. And I actually think there's some weird connection to MLK, too. I'm still working on There's so much here. If you take time out of your special day to write a fucking missing Alaska episode, I will fucking murder you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Okay. I can either, either while I'm working, listen to things that broaden my horizon or listen to myself talk. I don't know which one you want, but I, for the sake of my own obsessions, I probably should listen to myself. Hold the fuck up for a second. You got to (laughs) talk on the podcast first. Or you can listen, okay, listen to yourself do it. I mean, I, 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 I do talk enough. I chime in at the end, but most of it is just story time with Richard Studel. All right. I mean, what the fuck do you want? It's banter time with Richard and RJ. Yeah. No, it's it's rich. It's Richard talking, and then every so often his internet cuts out. <laughs> oh man! Can I ask? Can I ask you a question now? So we're living in a simulation so much that my next theory is called the Iceman. Where's there lots of ice? Alaska. Oh, okay. Also my driveway right now. (laughs) (laughs) Next theory. Richard, the Iceman Kuklinski. Does anybody know who this guy is? Yeah. Okay. Do you know who that is? Rick? Okay. Well, he through the uh, 60s through the 80s, Kuklinski was an amateur porn maker, drug distributor, turned so-called mafia hitman he got the moniker iceman because he was caught with some frozen bodies they had frozen to make mask the time of death so what he would do is he would murder someone put them in the freezer and then throw them out somewhere so cops couldn't figure out when that's not what i thought you were gonna say so i know you accidentally said make and not mask i thought you were about to say to make some like smoothies or something and i was like (laughs) (laughs) this man Richard Kuklinski, the Iceman, otherwise known as the Smoothie King, <laughs> unaffiliated with the mall chain. Why is the first picture that you find on Google Images of him just like him? Like, well, he made a uh, he did a documentary. Well, they interviewed him for HBO Max interviewed him. Yeah. So he's got like this crazy, like entire photo shoot. <laughs> Anyways, uh, he's convicted of killing five people, but claims to have killed over 100 people. Uh, what makes him unique in the serial killer realm? In my opinion, and maybe he's not really a serial killer because he takes money for it. It's not for pleasure. But what makes him unique is that he would try to use a different weapon for most kills. Uh, poison, strangulation, guns, knives. He killed a guy with a cross. He claims to kill a guy with a crossbow just to see if he could do it. My favorite is the rawhide that he would he would make wet and then tie around people. And then when it dries, it shrinks so much. Yeah. He would tie it around <laughs> this one dude's head. He's a big ass dude. He's like six six. So like I believe he killed some people, but he says he killed a hundred people. And he says his favorite way of killing someone was cyanide spray. Like he would have a spray and spray it in the mouth. Like that's a come on, mafia guy. You want to shoot someone in the head or something fun. That's not fun. That's like yeah, baby. The fuck? Um he said he did it that way so police wouldn't he wouldn't get bored, first of all. And second of all, he wouldn't develop a pattern so police wouldn't be able to follow him. Yeah, that's how that works. Uh, he's just stupid. Many of his claim kills are hoaxes. The FBI puts him at max 15. <laughs> but he had, he did admit to killing Hoffa uh, for $40,000. Wait, does the FBI give us all max and min numbers? Yeah, yeah we I have stats. So. <laughs> well, it's, it's, fantasy it's, draft. 
He's got he's got cards. He's got a serial killer card. Awesome. Uh, I love the fantasy cards. draft idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, if if we're going for most points, I'm drafting Richard. <laughs> yeah, oh, roll man. to see what he actually has. Um, nerds. Yeah, so he claims to have killed Hoffa for 40 grand. Uh, he said he stabbed him in the head, sealed him in a 50-gallon uh, drum, and set it on fire. And then he brought the drum a couple days later and got it compacted at it in an auto yard. Then the scrap metal was shipped over to Japan. So his quote is, "He's uh, he is a car in Japan right now. That's what he, he's telling people. Hoffa's in a car in Japan. Incredible. Uh, yeah. Well, by now, he's probably in a car in the United States based on economic shipments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he, he also said it was the ultimate insult to Jimmy Hoffa to send the all-American everyman Hoffa's dead body to an over, to, over to an ununionized market to live forever as a Japanese car. So that would be incredible. Yeah, I definitely think the murderer that I hate the most is a person that thinks that much into it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I hate him so much. Kuklinski's in there. I just gave him his own because he is a famous, famous serial killer. Um, yeah. And I think that's interesting that he took claim, but I don't think he did it. I, honestly, I think my, my claims, Tony, Tony Jack, Tony Pro is my real, real pick or he's a, he survived and he just lived off the grid for the rest of his life with the cash he stole from the Teamsters. Cause there's no way to figure out how much money he could have taken and put elsewhere. Do all the famous people or infamous that go missing and really ran away? Congratulations to you. And I'm going to congratulate Jimmy Hoffa. Cause that's 100% what happened to him. That motherfucker got away clean while everyone else around him somehow died. That's what I'm saying. Hmm. His name I'm... is Bobby Moffa. Now <laughs> <laughs> he sells pizza down in Queens. Perfect. <laughs> is that what we're going to tell uh, Abigail? Is that what we're going to send her a letter back and say? Oh, you, you can tell her that. I'm I'm still hung up on Ronnie James Dio, but you you think it's um, Ronnie James Dio? Yeah. I think I think it was all of Black Sabbath. All of Black Sabbath. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like think think of the Italians you got in here. You got fucking uh, T- Tony Iommi, and then uh, Vinny Vinny Apici is the fucking drummer. Then Ronnie James Dio. Come on, man. And then in 1981, they got an album called Mob Rules. Hey, man, uh, Ozzy just ate him over a period of many, many, many shows. I think the who is I think the who's just coming back at him. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 the yeah. who. that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Chinese you Roger Daltrey. Who wants to pen the letter real quick to Abigail? I got him. It, while you're writing it, say it out loud and then I'll make sure it gets put into letter form and sent off to her. Dearest Abigail, I am so sorry for what's happened to you. Also, I'm sorry about the spelling in this letter as I'm dictating it to Richard. I'm not good so- at spelling. <laughs> we, we have solved the case of Jimmy Hoffa's disappearance. I myself have solved it by myself. Uh, please, when you correspond, do not mention this to the other guys. Again, Richard doesn't understand because he can't read. Black Sabbath killed and made Jimmy Hoffa disappear. The end. That's E N D. No, don't write that part. E N end. And I, I, hey man, can I, uh, how do you write hail? Hail, like, like, like the, the stuff. 
I heard oh, you say okay. Black Fa- Black Sabbath. I want to say Hail Satan. That's all. Heard me say it? Did you even write it? Yeah. I bet you didn't even write this. God damn it's it. H H A I L. Hail. Huh. Who'd have thought? <laughs> Anybody that knows how to spell. But <laughs> that's not how I would have spelled that. I just watched Private Dicks, and I think RJ's the funniest. What? Come on! Hey there, all you private dickheads. That's probably not the name we're going to stick with. Anyways, uh, RJ here. I am here to tell you thank you for listening to another episode of Private Dicks. If you liked what you heard, go on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere they take your reviews, drop us five stars, say something nice. Also, what you just heard was from last season. If you want current episodes as they're dropped, head on over to patreon.com and search up Unethical Podcast. That's our mother podcast. I was not aware Private Dicks was a spinoff. I'm going to renegotiate my contract. On Patreon is a full 16-episode season more of Private Dicks, uncut videos of each episode, and many more things are getting added all the time. You can also find all of Unethical's content on there, so go listen to that. And... If you're already a patron, fuck yeah, dude. You're the best.